Hello, and welcome to The Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate, news and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence, hosted by food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. We cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability, anything that impacts today's supply chains. I'm Brielle Jekyll, Associate Editor of Food Logistics and SDCE, and today we're talking about blockchain on the farmer side, the pharma side of the supply chain. As we get closer to the reality of a COVID vaccine, the use of blockchain can actually help track the validity of the vaccine and its results. Kevin Beasley, CIO at VAI, comes on the show to discuss this and more. So let's link into that conversation now. Hi everyone, I'm here with Ken Beasley, who is the CIO of VAI, and he joins me today to talk about blockchain's place in the uh, pharma supply chain and what this could mean during a COVID-19 vaccine. Hi Kevin, thank you so much for coming on with me today. Oh, sure, no problem. Uh, no problem, Brielle. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to go over the uh, blockchain with you and its impact with uh, covid yeah, it's definitely an interesting subject. Um, you know, the two together are some of the most talked about things happening in the supply chain right now, um, you know, with COVID and um, and then also blockchain technology. Um, so first, I guess we'll just get right into it. Um, how do you think that blockchain in the supply chain can help with vac- vaccine distribution? Uh- well, it certainly can help uh, from the standpoint of it in a multitude of different ways. One, from the standpoint of sourcing and supplying, and it also depends on uh, the vaccines themselves. It it's actually is also being used to evaluate which vaccines are actually being effective before we actually get to the point of vaccines. As you are well aware, there's multiple companies in this country, multiple companies in the UK, Russia, China, all around the world working on vaccines. So... Uh, getting that data all together to evaluate effectiveness is one aspect and probably would be a separate blockchain. Um, once it's determined, you know, that there is a, an agreed upon or maybe there's multiple different uh, vaccines that might also all be de- deemed effective. Now that there might be com- competition for resources in various different geographies around the world. So that would be something that's very useful in tracking who has supplied or what. In, in certain situations, there are certain locales that are uh, a single source of, of many different things. You know, an example for certain types of drugs, Puerto Rico was the only place where you could actually source some of them. Uh, that wouldn't probably come into play that location for uh, uh, the vaccine, but that's just an example that there's many times uh, certain uh, certain drugs, certain pharmaceutical things are done in different parts of the world. You know, not many some parts might be coming from India, some from the U.S., mm-hmm. some from Europe. And so on. So all that has to be coordinated because they're going to want to produce, uh, you know, for 7 billion people, you're probably looking at, you know, triple that amount of number over a period of time of distribution. Okay. So with blockchain, you can help figure out where the resources are, how much of it, and, and how to get it. Is that is that? Yes, and also measure its effectiveness. So, oh, okay. you know, uh, one, you, you could be using it as a something that's analyzing the trials uh, to get real, valid, trusted data. You know, not you know, uh, so data that you can they can go to you know the FDA's of the world uh, and actually say this is the real data on how the vaccine is actually working. Uh, you know, as opposed to speculation and okay, you know, just you know, 
small random samples, you know, that that's what's going to gain the public's trust. So that aspect and during the manufacturer distribution, obviously manufacturing would you'd certainly be able to use that and also in manufacturing supply chain tracking. This is when it was made, this is where it was made, this is the conditions the vaccine was made in, this was, you know, some vaccines have slightly different load factors, some are stronger than others, so some might need to be stronger than others based on, you know, different medical conditions. And if you can okay. analyze that a certain, you know, certain, you know, as they're looking at personalizing various different drugs today uh, based on DNA and things like that, that might be something that might come into play because of the various different ways people do react to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. You know, we all know how some get it hit so very hard based on uh, pre-existing conditions. Others don't even know they have it. So um, all of this is stuff, is, is information and work that has to be done, and blockchain will help collect all this data to analyze it. And okay. the reason blockchain is important as opposed to just, say, regular databases is the collection points can be put uh, collected through, say, private blockchains, but agreed upon public access to read-only blockchain allows everybody to be able to go and do this analysis. You w wouldn't necessarily be able to do that through, you know, private databases that various different companies or governments uh, are controlling. So it does allow a little bit more freedom of access for analysts, researchers, scientists, and the media also. Oh wow! I didn't even think about that. So, so instead of having all this data privatized, everyone can see it. So, so there's no biasness. There's no we Correct. know yes. no one, Not that anyone would be lying, but it's more, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess confident. less subject to less subject to people interpreting it their own way. Yeah. Uh, it's trusted data. That's the whole purpose behind blockchain. Is its reason for existence is it's immutable. It's not alterable. So, uh, and it. It does gain the trust of people, and you uh -huh. know you can eliminate some of the hyperbole that might be going on out, you know, out there and around. So this this leads into a question I wanted to ask you, or, or I guess a subject I wanted to bring up um, is, you know, obviously there are some pitfalls when it comes to trying to get such a needed vaccine out so fast. I mean, everyone is looking for it. Well, most people are looking forward to getting this vaccine out there. So you're saying that you think that blockchain can help in making sure that it's a safe vaccine. What else do you think can go into that? Uh, well, yes. And also, uh, I, I think I mentioned also tracking results. Um, if they're put, everybody knows, they've always heard, you know, the typical 18 to 24 months to get a vaccine done. Uh, and uh, they go through many different trials and safeties and this really the big concern is, you know, with any type of vaccine or many, just any drug in general, there's always that 1% factor that has to be worried about. You know, that the drug or vaccine works on 99% of the population, but there's 1% that might have an allergy or some other different reaction to it. If we're pumping this out quicker, a vaccine uh, and blockchain if it should help speed it up. But also then you can also go back and look at, okay, if it was put out in a year or six months, uh, let's track the results to make sure they're, they're achieving things and let's see if there's any side effects. So, and again, if it's an immutable database, you'll know the results. Okay. Or trust it. Yeah. yeah, right, all right. Wow, that's, I never thought of blockchain coming from this way because I have a background in, um, in retail um, prior to mm -hmm. my position here. Um, and so I talked a lot about how sourcing material uh, you can use blockchain for. You know, I worked in the luxury segment where it would help 
you know, to ensure that you're buying diamonds that are blood diamonds, like things like that. Yes. But in terms of tracking results, that's so interesting to me. Uh, yes, and and yeah, and just a little brief background. Yes, so I'm in the ERP world, and we deal. Uh, we have many different customer bases, but two of them is uh, pharma and food, uh-huh. and they're both regulated by the FDA. So there's a lot of FDA reporting, a lot of FDA requirements. Uh, the FDA is heavily involved, you know, oh, wow. in, in addition to the CDC regarding, uh, you know, vaccines and drugs and pharma. So uh, we look at it from that standpoint and we look at it from the standpoint of reporting, you know, and also since we're an ERP, we know it from, you know, inception all the way down through retail or, you know, in the case of consumer use or through just manufacturing distribution and so on. So that's somehow we look at, I know exactly how you're talking about retail. We do deal with some specialty mm-hmm. retailers and I'm well aware of, you know, when working with companies like IBM and their, their blockchains and right. trust. So um, it gives us insight into different areas, but farmer uh, is one of the areas that uh, we know well and we know about reporting and all the detailed requirements that go mm-hmm. into, you know, uh, dealing with things like blockchains and so on. So are you saying that you work with the FDA to make sure the like like tech providers like you that are providing blockchain for the pharma and the the food industries that you work closely with the FDA to make sure that your tech solutions are a part of their regulations? Well, uh, they don't certify the particular uh-huh. software. Typically, it's our customers right. who are actually in the pharma that are dealing directly with them. Mm-hmm. We have to be. We have to actually understand uh, all of their regulations, all mm-hmm. the different things that, that are needed from the standpoint of reporting. There's a lot of reporting in the pharma industry. A lot of specialized reports that you have to be able to produce. So. Uh, we do work with them when we're necessary and talk to them, but they're not necessarily out there consulting software companies. Um, okay. And they, the only software that they would certify is software that goes inside medical devices or inside something like a pacemaker uh-huh. or, or anything that's inserted inside a person where it's, you know, a life or death type software. That's what they certify. Um, the customers and our pharma customers, they're the ones who have to comply with, uh, you know, FDA regulations. So, uh, the FDA tends to put the onus on them, and so we have to work closely mm-hmm. with them and our customers you know, to make sure we're providing solutions for them and that they can provide all the solutions for their customers. So, so your solutions obviously help a lot with compliance, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, this kind of go. we kind of answered this a little bit, but um, how does blockchain for pharma uh, differ from blockchain for food and other industries? Uh well, while there's certainly a, uh, some overlap, uh, food is highly uh, blockchains for food uh, are more around food safety. Right. Uh, obviously, obviously there's drug safety and things like that, but food safety go all the way back down to the point of you know origin, uh, tracking you know farm farm animals, uh, their feed, uh, tracking vegetables. You know, you, it actually can help farmers quite a bit if you can pinpoint down to the row or or the or the uh, you know acre or hectare where you might have had a problem. You don't necessarily have to recall a whole batch of something. Many times. Uh, you know, you'll see whole batches of lettuce recalled in the country when it was only a particular, you know, few farms that really needed to be recalled. If you can track all the way down to origin, track through, uh, you know, in the case of food, you track it through the whole distribution channel, you know, things like temperature, uh, while it was traveling, humidity, 
uh, all of those things are tracked, and then and many of those are becoming requirements, and some have already. Uh, how many times it was touched, when you know certain containers might have been opened or closed, um, all the different points that, of data that are needed, and many times that's not through one single blockchain. It could be many, based on its need and purpose. Uh, but that's what the SDA is looking for is to ensure food safety all the way down the line, uh, all the way down through retail, as you mentioned. You know. Um, traceability that the ultimately what's ultimately wanted is traceability that, that a consumer could be able to look at a say a quick uh, code barcode on there and get some sort of history on that product where it came from when it was grown and so on and so forth uh, so not necessarily all that information might be provided to the consumers but along the line distribu distributors supermarkets restaurants whatever will have some sort of assurance as to where something came from and, and be able to look into the history and you know whether or not something was mm -hmm. stored correctly, you know, or not. So right. uh, that's a lot of what we have to deal with in, in the food world uh, regarding block and where blockchains come into play because everybody along the line contributes posts into those blockchains, whether they're sometimes they're private. Uh, usually most of those are usually private where you actually have to be authenticated against. It's not, you know, and many times people will look at blockchain and think it's anonymous, like Bitcoin. That's only mm -hmm. one type of blockchain. Um, that's certainly suitable for currencies and things like that, uh, and might be suitable uh, and gain a little bit more public trust when, you, when we, if we talk about contract tracing. Um, but back to the blockchain itself, a lot of this stuff is invite only. You have to be a member. You have to pass, you know, certain... Uh, levels of um, compliance before you can necessarily get into certain blockchains, whether oh, you're a okay. farmer or a distributor or whoever. So that's considered private. Uh, it's authenticated. You know, it's known who's doing what. That's mm -hmm. that's what enables you to do traceability. So then uh, it's the difference between public and private uh, blockchain. Uh, public mm -hmm. blockchain people want an uh, anonymity, uh, and that's what comes into play. Um, but in the case of uh, food safety or farmer and things like that, no, you want to know who the person is right. or the company is or, or how, whatever happened, whatever event happened along the way. So that's all private. Yes, yes. And okay. you also, you know, getting into more detail, you can see if there was problems in the world with certain types of, you know, uh, crops growing, you know, something, uh, there was a problem in, in part of the world and, you know, you should be looking to another part of the world to get your supplies from based on events and things like that, or storms or disasters and so on. So a lot of that can factor into it. And right. You can couple a lot of blockchain data with other sources of data, weather-related data, shipping, weather, so on. Um, so I, I know, like you were saying, how a lot of that um, comes, like I guess the information that blockchain can pull out or authenticate can be pushed to the consumer because I know everyone is so interested in food traceability today. Um, you know, we all want to know where our food comes from. Um, do you think that that is going to be the case with pharma eventually? Because I know when I'm getting my medications, I really am just trusting to make sure that, they, that they've done, you know, what they what they are supposed to do. But I don't really know. Like, there's no way uh, I can get that. There is a serialization regulation in effect, and it's going to kick in real soon. Uh, they, they Many years ago, the FDA was going to require RFID on every mm -hmm. uh, the certain types of prescription drugs. That didn't work out because logistically it wasn't uh, necessarily viable. But yes, the, it, there is a requirement and it's kicking in 
you know, over the course of time, very soon, uh, that serial that the each pill bottle is serialized and it will be traceable. Oh um, wow! Whether or not the consumer can have access to that, that's probably going to take a bit more time, but at least somebody can. At least the oh. pharmacist will be able to get into a database and see where it came from. Yes, there have been issues over the years regarding where certain uh, supplies, uh, drugs came from. There was a fairly notorious one years ago where there was a lot of uh, ineffective and some tampering going on in in. So it eventually uh, that was uh, handled by a whistleblower who you know happened to work at that company. But yes, mm-hmm. that you know it is an added level. You don't have to necessarily worry about someone like that. You know you can figure that out. You can, and eventually down the line, you know it, I think that one might take years before it can get down to the point of having consumers being able to inquire on it. Okay. There's just so much that has to go into, and the farmer is a very complex industry, very regulated. Uh, the safety aspect is uh, in certain types of uh, uh, drugs, con- uh, control substances and things like that, way beyond what I even mentioned in food. Mm-hmm. So from the standpoint of how that's stored in a warehouse and who has to sign in and out and fingerprinted into a, you know, some of the uh, you know, facility, the inner uh, you know, vault inside the warehouses where only certain people can get into, So and that's all traceable. So... Um, Eventually, it'll make it out there, but right now, you've got to start by collecting the data, and these would be various different blockchains. You wouldn't be letting consumers into the blockchain that are private ones. You would actually be extracting out additional and pumping data out for uh-huh. a publicly accessible one. Okay. So it wouldn't be one big blockchain. It, there'd be many involved, uh, that, and different people would have different levels of control and access, you know, mm-hmm. and what makes it work in the case of, uh, you know, say you were, if I, I used the example before, like contract, uh, contact tracing, you know, if you had, say, uh, you know, say it was phone app based, like, you know, the Google, uh, Apple API or, or something like that, uh, that could be anonymously posted up to a uh, blockchain and uh, that information, you know, there is no information regarding what's on it stored on the device. But then that blockchain, which might actually have some sort of token to identify who that is, that information can be anonymized and pumped out to another blockchain, which is where the analysis could happen. Uh, and no information is accessible from the people that need to do the analysis of the contract tracing. It could have information about whatever to locate location. If it's in the U.S., it might be down to the zip code level or whatever. So that they can do their analysis. And obviously, if you could have a third uh, blockchain that if somebody did, you know, come back and report that they uh, had had it, you know, uh, you know, they had COVID, then it can pump back up, figure out all the other tokens that it had to push it out. And uh, they could ask them, do you want to, you know, let other people know about this? You could use a third blockchain to generate the uh, identifiers for the people that did get identified. So no individual accessing any blockchain could figure out who the person was and maintain the privacy. So ultimately, yes, if you want to maintain anonymity but get data out of it, you got to separate what each person can access. Uh-huh. So, and, you know, the highly protected one would be what the app's talking directly up to. Uh, and then, then after that, you can extract out so that scientists and other people and researchers can access that, but all they're seeing is completely anonymized data. Mm-hmm. You mentioned RFID before, and this is more generalized, you know, going outside of pharma. Um, and what do you, do you, is there a 
major difference between RFID and blockchain, or do they interact together, or are they just two different uh, they, methods? Yeah, they're two different technologies that uh, interact. RFID is a means of identifying something. Um, right. Without actually, you know, it's, it's gives more information than, say, a uh, barcode, and in many instances, it doesn't require, you know, it, it can be done faster in many situations. Uh, you know, it's just transmitting of, you know, an identifier to something, and behind that identifier in a database could be all the details about it, just like mm -hmm. a barcode. Um, the RFID, in, in the case of using things like uh, uh, IoT, where you've got identifiers out in the field tracking you know, things, you know, if you looked at uh, some things, uh, you know, the electronic passes that we use on parkways in various parts of the country, they have easy pass. That's a, that's RFID. Oh, okay. uh, and that tracks who the person is and whatever. And that's, that's, active, that's active RFID. Active RFID means there's batteries inside, so it can mm -hmm. transmit a greater bit of power. Uh, passive would be there's no battery inside. It derives its power to transmit from what you put it near. And it's usually within, you know, uh, millimeters to maybe a centimeter to you know to get enough power to generate a signal back to an antenna uh, to identify who it is. But uh, yeah, certainly that uh, the information that you collect with that gets fed into many blockchains. Uh, there's blockchains done in retail, and Walmart's been doing RFID for years, and now they feed that into various different analytics. So they they do complement each other. They're not competitive to each other. I mean, one is a means of data collection, and the one is a means of data storage, and also a means of feeding uh, okay. other systems for analysis. I thought so. I wasn't sure, though, if there was, like, a special system or solutions that went with just RFID or if blockchain could take that information and kind of run with it. Um, I, well, in the case of designing blockchains, you want to get data from the most possible sources. So right. you would, wouldn't, we wouldn't necessarily think we would want to tie it to just RFID. Um, you know, if you can use it and get it through a barcode scan, or you can get it through, you know, an IoT device, which is collecting information typically way outside. You know, RFID and, and uh, barcode scanning that's usually done within physical confines of either a facility or, or a building or something like that. IoT and uh, 5G is something that can go out into the world and collect data and push it back. Mm -hmm. So all of that feeds into blockchain. You know, down to somebody still might be keying something into a you know computer, or they might be collecting data off of a you know a mobile device. You know, okay. uh, there, there's not necessarily RFID involved or scanning in either of those. So. Uh, all of those technologies, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that can feed into it. data that comes from clouds that can be pumped in and combined with blockchain. So, it again exists because it's a trusted, immutable data source. Once you put something there, and also the participants, blockchain is typically uh, is by design not controlled by one single entity. It's mm -hmm. many different servers. Uh, the data is replicated between all the servers, uh, just like you have RAID inside an internal computer system. And if a disk drive fails, uh, the system can you know, uh, continue on. You replace that drive, it gets rebuilt. That's the way blockchain works. It's servers scattered all over the place. No, any individual server can be you know, taken down or removed or have uh, have problems, and the blockchain still continues to work. And obviously, the more the more... Uh, members who are storing, and there's blockchain contributors, people contribute to blockchain, and that's all they do, which is the bulk of what the people do. And then there's uh, 
companies, associations, uh, industries that run their blockchains or even governments that run their blockchains where they actually store it and all of those participating computers are actually stored but with no one entity to be able to manipulate or control the data. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's really in, uh, amazing to me all this, um, techno- how technology have just made traceability and, and, and regulations just so uh, much more intense. Um, but but I want to go back to uh, the pharma sector and COVID-19. You know, I remember when blockchain, um, well, I remember when Bitcoin first, you know, became just like the the most talked about thing in not just business, but in everyday conversation. I mean, you can escape it. And that really kind of put a spotlight on blockchain. Do you think that um, now that everyone's talking about this vaccine and it's going to be such a big deal, and blockchain is probably, you know, obviously going to be a big part of, you know, how how it comes about and, and the results. Do you think that, that it might change the way people think about blockchain or do you think it will become more uh, of, of a talked about thing again in the industry? Uh, I, yeah, I would think it would be. Uh, it would be more talked about in the industry. Um, and as an example, you know, everything that's being done for COVID, um, cannot be applied to anything else. You could take the same exact thing that we've been talking about and apply it to the annual flu and track that. Mm -hmm. And the technology and also the, obviously the personal uh, habits of people will probably change, which if kept up, obviously can have a big impact on other types of infectious diseases, whether it's influenza or many others that are out there. So, uh, yes, if the mindset follows along, yes, blockchain will certainly help with that. And many of these blockchains, you know, whether it's the same blockchain or it's just simply the same design, uh, obviously certain things, if you want to track things specific to a specific type of influenza, you don't want to probably mix it in with data from COVID, uh, mm-hmm. but you could compare the two down the road. Um, other things also uh, I've seen uh, uh, and read about some people, you know, talking about using uh, blockchain as a means of doing tracking of all these funds that are flying around the world. Uh, you know, from the standpoint of governments just pumping out money, sending it everywhere. Uh, if you could track that and see where how effective it was, uh, how it was being spent, whether any was being wasted or not. Uh, that's something that's being looked at as something yeah. that can be, and I think some people were working on it. It just wasn't something that was specific to what we do, but uh-huh. uh, I think it does ha- it does bear merit that you know you also want to see what kind of where you're getting your best uh, bang for your buck, you know, mm-hmm. in regards to taxpayer money or private donation money. Uh, there's a lot of donated money that goes into a lot of these things also. So uh, that's an aspect I think also will be helpful and blockchain if it's all recorded that way you know being immutable and you can go back and look at it uh, historically to see where where it was most effective um, you know that might also help also in in selecting which one vaccine over another you know from the Uh standpoint that two might be comparable what one costs three times more to produce or distribute so uh, all Uh of those things could be looked at that's amazing to me yeah. Um, now, um, I guess I guess to kind of wrap it up, is there any other – where else do you think the blockchain specifically to pharma will go in the future, the near future? Uh, well, one, we're seeing some global ones happening. You know, the WHO started up their uh, 
their blockchain, um, and there's probably will be a few others, um, or there are a few others out there of that size and scale globally. Uh, so uh, the being able to take smaller blockchains, regional ones, just like they're doing, say, contract tracing right now today, it's really done at the country level. There doesn't seem to be any sharing at this point between a lot of those apps uh, that are done. Some are done specific to that country and not. That pushing up into, uh, you know, global levels of analysis, I think, will be beneficial. That's mm -hmm. where you can actually, you know, that's where, that's where you'd be able to go and, and view real detailed data about true spread. Um, and wow. potentially, maybe at some point, you know, see patterns where you could say it spreads in this particular direction or through this particular mode of transportation or whatever, uh, because you've got data, you know, mm -hmm. hard data. Wow. Uh, data, blockchain, AI has really, really is changing and is going to change a lot. Well, yeah, and, and you hit it right on the head. Yeah, one thing that, that you mentioned that I didn't is, yeah, a lot of this is enabled by AI analysis too. Right. Not just researchers and um, something. And, and the AI that's done is done for the purpose of saving time for scientists, researchers, medical, and so on. Uh, many times it can save them a huge amount of time. Yeah. Uh, because all data is collected uh, and al analyzed very quickly. You know, that's the hope in getting a vaccine done quicker is it's not done, you know, uh, you know, just by manual human work. I mean, that has to go and it has to be safe, but this should be, you know, all of that together combined mm -hmm. should be a time saver. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to add about blockchain and pharma? Uh, I, I say we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, we covered today. a lot of ground. <laughs> yes, we cover a lot. You know, uh, I guess just to say to everybody out there, be safe and you know, yeah. protect each other. You know, that's all. Watch out for each other. Absolutely, it's a interesting time, definitely. Yep. Well, mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on. That was so interesting, and, and I think blockchain in general is so such an interesting topic. Uh, and you really, yeah, like we said, you gave us such good info. Um, so thank you again. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and thank you again to Kevin for coming on. Uh, tune in every Tuesday for our traditional episodes of Link by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. And do not forget to hit subscribe on the Apple and Google Playlist apps so you never miss an episode.